0: Hello, wine friends, and welcome back to another episode. Now, if you've got a sweet tooth, you've probably heard of Royal Tokai and their luscious, patriotized sweet wines. Now, Royal Tokai are oh, the international market leader. In fact, in Hungary, they were the first independent company after the new regime founded in 1990 by Hugh Johnson. So many of you may recognise that name. Also first to reintroduce vineyard names on the label. But before we dive into the world of noble rot and what makes these incredible sweet wines, we're taking a little detour today. So in this episode, we are going to trade the sweetness for some serious still wine vibes. On the podcast, I have Zoltan Kovach, the winery director for Royal Tokai, and he is going to put the spotlight on Hungary's main white grape variety, the one, the only Ferment. We'll be looking at this fascinating grape, its flavours, and the stories it can tell in each bottle. But we're not stopping at Ferment. We'll also be exploring the other white grapes of Hungary, like the charming Harsh Prepare yourself to get to know the Tokai region, its climate, its geography so much better. And as always, a big shout out to my incredible sponsor of this season, Wickham's Wine, which if you have caught the last two episodes listening to their founder, Dan, talking about Beaujolais, I'm sure you will agree. He is fab. The wines are delicious and they are a super cool company. So do not forget to use the code EATSLEEP10 to get 10% off your first order. But for now, It's ferment time, so over to Zoltan to educate and enlighten us. So Zoltan, I'm so excited that you are here on the podcast to teach me how to pronounce Hungarian words, number one. Did you know that that was your job? (laughs) (laughs) But but two, for you to inform everyone listening why we all need to be drinking more tokay and that it's not just Sweet wine. So you've been making wine for how many years?
1: Well, since ninety eight.
0: Am I allowed to ask that?
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> ninety eight.
0: Ninety eight. So a few years now. So what brought you into the world of wine? Were you born into a wine making family, or did you just taste a wine later on in in your years?
1: Yeah, actually, my family was connected to the to the vine. My grandfather. Was a vineyard, uh, so he planted vineyards. My father, he was a researcher at the research institute, so he was always in the vineyard. So he took me with him. I was a small child actually, and he showed me all the things around the vineyard. So I got infected from uh, from a very <laughs> small age with all these that, things. So.
0: Oh. If only I was infected from a small age.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that that's convenient. So, okay, but you didn't grow up in the Tokai region, did you?
1: No, I'm Transylvanian. I grew up in that region, which has his own vine regions as well. So after making my university studies, I came to to the wine region.
0: Amazing. And then, okay, right. So let's talk about Tokai, which for everybody. Tokai, the region, ends with the J, not the I. The I part on the end of Tokai is for the sweet wine. That's correct, right? Not really. Ah, I was going to say, like, please elaborate.
1: Yeah, so Tokai is the noun and Tokai, it means, is the genitive of Tokai. From Tokai, it means...
0: Right. Okay. But in general, when we talk about the region, it is T-O-K-A-J. So don't put the I on there.
1: Yeah. Well, Tokai. is the, it's the city and the region, it's Tokai.
0: Oh gosh. Now I just give up. Okay. All right. Fine. So <laughs> for us English people, can we just spell it however we want and you'll just like yeah, yeah, allow us? Yeah.
1: doesn't matter. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I don't want to make it too complicated.
0: I think I've just confused everyone even more. Anyway, okay, fine. I want you, though, to tell us the beauty of Tokai. What attracted you to this region? What's it like there?
1: Well, actually, (laughs) to be very honest, it wasn't really the beauty of the region which attracted me. It was a job offer, what I got being a student in my final year. Okay. uh, yeah, uh, a new company was set up in the, in the wine region. And the owner was a former Transylvanian who emigrated in South Africa. Dr. Julius Laszlo, a well-known winemaker in South Africa, a pioneering winemaker. After he retired in South Africa, he came back in Hungary and invested here in the wine region. And he knew my father, my family. So he came to the university and uh, contacted me and offered me a job as representative of the family to join the company here, a starting company. So this was the reason coming to the wine region, actually.
0: So which winery was this, if anybody wants to investigate?
1: That was called the Laszlo Winery. It was a smaller winery in Tayo, a smaller city next to MAD, actually.
0: Well, we're going to talk about MAD. I mean, brilliant, the best, the best name you could possibly have for a wine region, but yeah, we'll talk of about course. Madness It's very in a international
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's not mad.
0: It's hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So practically, that was practicalities. That's what brought you across. Can you talk to us about the climate, the terroir? Because there's, there's defining factors here, isn't it? That has made this region quite famous.
1: Yeah, that's the basic thing for, for us. So if we speak about the Terroir, 12, 15 million years ago, it was a very strong volcanic activity here in the region. At that time, this region was still covered by the Pannonian Sea, so it was underwater, everything. And due to this very strong volcanic activity, the whole region grew up, actually, together with the Zemplin Mountains, which are on the northern part of the Vine region. And all these uh, small vineyard hills were small volcanoes in the past with uh, different volcanic activity. And this is the reason what the different single vineyards are so different in taste, actually, when we make wine from them. So this is the volcanic background. And then the soils, uh, we have less in the southern part of the wine region, which covers the volcanic bedrock and on the bigger part of the wine region, we have a very heavy clay soil, which together with the minerals which cover it, it gives a terroir, it gives a lot of structure to the, to the vines. This is the most important thing for us. And then the climate, the geographic location, which is as well very, very important. The wine region is located in the southeastern part of Hungary, close to Slovakia, not far away from Ukraine and Romania as well. From the north, as I mentioned, we are bordered by the Zemplin Mountains, which are like fences against the chilly winds from the Carpathians located further to the north in Slovakia and Poland. That's the protection of the wine region. Then we, from southwest, we are bordered by the Great Hungarian Plain, which gives us the good weather, the sunny weather, and a nice breeze during uh, autumn time as well which helps with the shriveling of the berries and from southeast we are bordered by the bodrog river so a river very important which joins in tokoi city the tisa the second biggest river of hungary and from these two rivers we got the moist the humidity which is necessary for the botrytis to grow so we have in place protection we have botrytis, and we have shriveling so these are the three main factors which contribute for the quality of our grapes to make uh, uh, an excellent sweet wine actually
0: well i I think it's fascinating because obviously the history goes back and it is about the sweet wine but now table still wines are coming out and they're fantastic so as a winemaker working in this region, what have you found have been some of the biggest challenges for you, or in fact, the biggest rewards as a winemaker that perhaps people listening would not be aware of?
1: To be a Tokai winemaker, it's a challenging thing because you have to think completely in a different way. So in Tokai, the hardiness and to do very quickly think is not the thing to do actually, because we need a lot of patience we are in autumn time and deep in autumn time, very often with the harvest. could have some rains which will damage a bit your crop, but um, then will come some other sunny days as well afterwards, which will dry then, and then you can harvest it. The harvesting in Tokai is to be prepared for a very long time for the harvest. The harvest starts let's say, mid-beginning of September, and very often will last till mid-November. It's not like in Burgundy, you you have to harvest everything in 10 days, two weeks, because then it's a catastrophe. In Tokai, you will always be prepared to harvest that small amount of berry which is ready on the wine. So you you take that, and then you come back and you check your parcels and go back to, to that one, which is prepared to be harvested. And day by day you do this work and you have in back of you hundred, hundred and fifty people prepared to harvest those small berries, which are needed for your sweet wine. So, and after the harvest, mid November, then you can start vinification. And with fermentation and everything, you will uh, arrive in in January somehow to finish everything and then calm down and uh, and start the maturation. So, and it's fascinating in the same time because you got the crop, and through the fermentation, you will have this fascinating world of sweet wines, which gives you a lot of joy and. Yeah after bottling and then you present it to your customers and they found actually what you would like to show them, the balance of Tokai inside. And it makes you to be over the top, actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So this is the charm. Tokai has a whole range of wines and it is about this balancing of acidity and in very many of the wines, the sugar. So I have to ask you, what has been your very best wine that you have ever made, that you're most proud of? Well... And don't, don't hold back here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, um, I believe I still have some time in front of doing... Uh- oh,
0: uh, don't be <laughs> humble here. I, and I didn't say the best wine that you will ever make. I said the best wines, sh- okay, so far... Do you have a favourite, or has there been a favourite vintage that just made you so happy? I'm broadening the the question now.
1: Yeah, at Royal Tokai, we are um, very aware of the single vineyards where we have our vineyards. Well, uh, one of my preferred vineyards is St. Thomas. It's not only because of his soil composition exposure, but because as well that our vineyards are going to the top of the St. and You have an amazing view, a very inspiring view, actually. I believe, actually, all St. Tomás 6 put on your single vineyards, what I made since I'm here at Royal Tokoi, are all of them, in a way, something unique for me and uh, giving me a lot, of, a lot of joy, actually. So we only released the 17 since I'm here, to the public, it uh, it was very appreciated by, by everybody, but I believe the others upcoming, I hope will have the same appreciation.
0: Amazing. Okay. So I've always really liked the story of Royal Tokai, the winery, because of course we are talking in this wine region, I think 400 years of history, there's so much, but then during the communist era as far as I know, and hopefully you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but everything really fell apart. And then Royal Tokai has this kind of amazing story of bringing everything back. So can you just let everyone know a little bit about Royal Tokai and, and where it started?
1: Yeah, so I'm not saying a big thing. If I'm saying that Hugh Johnson was our founder. Himself was uh, tasting uh, Tokai wines, even before the falling of the, of the Iron Curtain, he came here when he was busy writing his uh, World Wine Atlas. So he tasted and uh, he was always amazed by the quality and the balance of the sweet wines from the Tokai wine region, especially from MAD. Because of this fact, he always had in mind at one day maybe will happen something and he can contribute here to set up a company or to do something here in the wine region. And uh, yeah, that time came in in 1990 when the, the former communist uh, system collapsed, he found himself with Danish investor around him coming to the wine region. He, uh, to Mad especially, to MAD village and he found here 62 small producers, And they decided all together to form a sort of cooperative in the beginning. So the small producer, they supported their land. The investor brought their uh, money, know-how. We had a wine consultant, winemaker, consultant winemaker at that time as well. And together with with Hugh Johnson, knowledge is about market, marketing. So all together was together actually to set up a successful company. So... These are the early days of Royal Tokai. in 1990, 1991 was when everything started and everybody was enthusiastic about it.
0: And I am still enthusiastic about it. And I'm so enthused that I am now going to go to the first wine, which is, by the way, everybody, if you thought we were going to have sweet wines in this episode, we're not you're gonna to have to wait for episode two so <laughs> we're gonna do still wines today which is exciting because i think these are still a style of wines that many people don't know about so i have in front of me a 2021 for mint am i pronouncing the grape variety correctly
1: for so the accent is always on the first one for yes
0: Okay, so ferment. Oh, I see. I'm still saying it naturally. Ferment. I'm such an English gal. So ferment. Oh, look at that. <laughs> ferment is the main grape variety of Docai. So I think is it still accounting for about seventy percent or so of yes, the planting, more or less. Yes. Okay. So, any other great variety we mentioned, guys? You can always discard it if, if it if it's too much, just just Furmint. Okay, so this is 100% Furmint, it's dry, it's 2021. This is your, your youngest wine, it's on screw cap. I'm going to have a little taste because ugh, this conversation has got me thirsty. Can you tell all of us listening about Furmint and what this grape variety gives? What is it? What's special about it?
1: So Furmint is the native grape variety of the vine region, we consider it actually. Actually, it's not an aromatic grape variety, but because of the terroir here in Tokai, it gives a lot of minerality, a lot of structure and aromatic complexity in mouth, especially. Of course, with a bit of maturation, the nose as well will be very complex and very, very pleasant. And there is another thing, the acidity of the furmin given by the volcanic soil, which will make always a tremendous balance in your mouth when you taste the, the wine.
0: Of course, beautiful acidity, but I like the, um, there's like a tanginess. There's some really nice citrus and peach notes, but with a really nice little bit of salinity afterwards. Are you drinking the same wine as me?
1: Yes, <laughs> you are characterizing it as it should be
0: <laughs> super mouth watering. and I actually finish with this kind of interesting almost powdery maybe cinnamony like something kind of like a sweet spice vibe it's really but more than anything my mouth is watering like so much when we talk about high acidity wines and we talk about Sauvignon Blanc and others this is just for me really i feel it in all parts of my palate and the nose as well has a little bit of this kind of slightly herbal floral note as well which i yes. find quite so there's a, a savory there's a slight savory vibe. you said that's not a very aromatic grape variety right and it's not if if, if somebody wants something big with a big bouquet it's not yeah, it's very it's not. intriguing yes super fresh mm. It is. I want to ask you, this is the standard for Mint, which everyone in the UK, Majestic, has a load of these wines. And if you buy a mix six, it's like $9.99. Okay, so this is a great one just to start. But I guess to compare, maybe we should compare this to the Vineyard Selection that you've sent me, which is 2017. I am not going for the life of me to try and pronounce... <laughs> The name of this. How do you pronounce this?
1: You mean in Hungarian? Dülöválogatás.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, everyone, you're going to laugh at me. This, okay, let, no, 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 this will be fun. So I would pronounce it. Dülöválogatás. How yes. how was that?
1: That <laughs> was very good. Dülöválogatás, it means vineyard selection, actually.
0: Oh my God, by the way, that actually was, my pronunciation was pretty good. yes. Okay. All right. Great. Right. <laughs> Listen, everybody. It's not about the pronunciation. It's about the wine knowledge, and that is what we're trying to get today. Okay. So this is what it means. It means vineyard selection. So this is 2017. What are we doing here now? Are you selecting? Am I correct in in Tokyo? There's the first growth. You've already talked about Saint Thomas, but then there's like second growths, third, and then like unclassified. Is that correct? Yes. Right. So, what's going into this vineyard selection?
1: To come back a bit to the first wine and, uh, and its label as well. Uh, since 2019, we slightly changed the label of, of our wines.
0: I wondered. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yes.
1: <laughs> we asked a young Hungarian artist to come to our winery and we talked with him about our wines, et etc. et cetera. So, finally, he tried to showcase labels which are communicating a bit about the wines. And on the first wine, the wine itself, it's a wine region blend where we blend together Royal Tokai parcels with bought-in parcels from small producers all over the wine region. So what we have on the label is the Bodrog River, the Tissa River, and the three main volcanoes in the three corners of the wine region. And in the middle, the wine region itself. So it's the Tokai wine region on the label. That's
0: great because, yeah, everybody getting a bottle of this then when they're listening to the podcast and what you're saying about the terroir, you can kind of see it. So listen, the label is teaching us stuff. I'm very excited about this. Okay, cool. (laughs)
1: 2017 still doesn't get the new label of the vineyard selection, but... The vineyard selection, it's a village level selection. So it's a higher class wine, a village level selection. We have there only Royal Tokai single vineyards from Mad Village blended into the wine. And it's 100% barrel fermented and barrel matured.
0: So, is all of the single vineyards, if I heard you correctly, they are all coming from the town of Mad?
1: Not all of them. Except one, which is Meza coming from a different village called Torzol.
0: But I mean, if somebody was to come and visit you, this is where you're based, in MAD.
1: We are based in MAD, yes.
0: <laughs> in crazy land.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: No one will forget MAD, though. And all, funny enough, if you were to look at all of the other villages, I think there's 27 villages, isn't there, yes. within Tokai. I mean... Most of them are very, very hard to pronounce. Mad is the only village with three letters.
1: Yes, that's true. (laughs) The only one.
0: (laughs) This is for us, for us Westerners, this is the perfect place. Okay, so this is slightly better quality. All right, fine. And you've said, whereas the other one was stainless steel, correct?
1: So the first one is half, half. Half stainless steel, half barrel. So even in the first one, we have barrels.
0: And maybe as well, that's why there was that savoury yes. edge. But have you got this one? Have you got this vineyard selection 2017 in front of you or not? Yes. Okay. So this one's really interesting. There's a real like powdery charm to it. Again, it's really savoury, but it's, it's much more kind of like apple blossomy. And do you know what pot puree is? I don't know if this is a thing across the world. Pot puree is like these dried, um, they'd probably be like dried flowers, dried fruit, all condensed. And then it's quite old fashioned. And then people used to put it in a bowl and they put it in their house and it smelt. Ah, okay. I don't know if any, to be honest, I haven't seen anyone with pot puree. But it has this. Ah, pot pot puree. Okay.
1: I know I got yes. pot puree, yes.
0: (laughs) But it's got this kind of powdery, dried flowers, dried fruit edge thing. Um it's very intriguing the nose.
1: Yeah, so it has already a nice bottle maturation as well being 2017. So besides the barrel matured face of the Fourmint, the maturation potential of the Fourmint in bottle and uh, I believe it's a it's a very nice uh, evolution of the wine.
0: I love again. Gosh. My mouth is watering. It is spicy. But I have to say, when I drink these wines, it's not spicy like other wines. You know, like sometimes we could talk about a Grunewald Lina from Austria, which has these white pepper spice. But this is, for me, with Furmint, it's this spice that comes on the finish with the acidity. And it's got this savory sweet vibe going on. So it's a very different type of spice for me.
1: Yeah, so actually it's our signature, uh, let's say, uh, component of the wine is the acidity, which will help us a lot to build around it, all this flavour. The acidity for us, it's like the spine or it's like a Christmas tree.
0: Oh, I like this.
1: You have the Christmas tree branches, like the acidity, and then you can uh, hang all the flavours mm and and the acidity will hold everything together and will give this uh, power and minerality as well to the wine.
0: I totally agree. Interestingly though, I felt that the first one was more saline, but you do definitely get like a little steeliness, but then with this one, but this lovely, it's not too weighty. It really isn't, but you, like there's this, that, just a slight lick of vanilla, I guess, from, from the oak, but yes, really I think true. the fruit's still coming through. And it's interesting because on the nose, I get much more of these dried fruits and and flowers but the palette i get this real pear fresh pear and then the spice oh it's it's a really lovely and I, and i'm looking okay so i found ah this wine i couldn't find in england i couldn't find it online so if you guys find me a retailer i'll put it in the show notes but for my american listeners they'll be happy because they always get missed out hi everyone across the pond red wagon shop com and it's Shopee, it's got an E on the end, $24.99. That's, I found that, but I'd love to know where we can get it in England.
1: We do have so. it in England as well because uh, it is in our uh, store there, uh, in our storage facility.
0: Oh, storage facility. Okay. Yeah, let me know afterwards. I um, can
1: give you some. Yeah, yeah, I can give you some.
0: Uh, some places. Okay. Yes. Right. Now... I really enjoy, because the thing is, it's nice to actually do this comparison tasting, to understand Furmint, but also to see how the quality changes. And now in front of me, I have one of your first growths. Can you pronounce this for me, please?
1: Uh, uh, uh. Yes. (laughs) So it's very easy, actually. It's Mézes shmai.
0: Okay, Mezashmai. I could have totally said that. Easy peasy. So I, I've got the Mezashmai 2018 and all of these so far have been 100% Furmint, right?
1: Yes, and this one, uh, Mezashmai it's Furmint as well. It's coming from a totally different terroir. It's our neighboring village called Tarcal and Mezashmai is uh, located on the Tokoi hill which is the southest uh, location of the vine region. And uh, being there, the soil around the the Tokai Hill, it's totally different. It's called the it's a sandy-like soil and it's a transported soil from the Great Hungarian Plain. Actually, the Tokai Mount is the first facing the Great Hungarian Plain. So all the soil around the single vineyard was transported from the Great Hungarian Plain and deposited on the volcanic slopes of, uh, of Tokai Hill. And it's a very deep soil, uh, very often 10, 15 meters in, in deepness. So really allowed the roots of the vines to go very deeply down in the soil to reach the volcanic lo- rock and the water which are deep down in this soil, and even being a sandalized soil, even in the drier vintages, you can still uh, get very good uh, quality on this soil. The most characteristic thing of the mesashma in the wines is the flowery character: white flower, yellow flower. It's giving this, how can I say, aerial lighterness to the wine in a good sense but when you taste you taste it you will always face the the structure and the acidity given by the volcanic soil
0: the elements of the soil absolutely there's a reason why this is such a special wine. the nose and funny enough the nose is slightly more restrained than the other two. And I've had this before, I think, on my Instagram. If somebody is bored one day and they want to keep on flicking through, they can see that I think last year I was drinking a bottle of this. And I adored it because this is almost, for me, about elegance, restraint, slight more subtlety. It's a very pretty wine, but you have to take your time with it. I agree with you on the florals. But again, quite clearly, you're putting this in some oak. There's this lovely lick of, like, vanilla. And I want to use... I want to use the word butter in a way that's not going to scare anyone because people think of a buttery Chardonnay and it's not.
1: No, no, definitely.
0: Not at all. But it has, and again, the interesting thing is this is slightly more weighty than the vineyard selection, but actually seems far brighter, seems more lighter, seems more elegant, the lift on it. Um, But I get this kind of like honey blossom and lots of more of the stone fruits alongside those flowers that you get more on the nose. I agree
1: completely. Mm. Well, it should have more weight than the vineyard selection. It's a single vineyard with his um, characteristics. And it's itself, it's vinified 100% in oak barrels is the reason you you will get a bit of vanilla in the nose and in taste as well. Yeah, the butteriness, what you, you mentioned, it's a totally different thing to what you get in some of wines because you have the acidity beside it. So we'll uh, always refresh it and uh, we'll uh, give a totally different character to it.
0: hundred percent. I think anybody who's listening to this, I mean, I always feel bad sometimes tasting the wines on these podcasts because people are obviously going, yeah, but we can't taste it. And ultimately you need to taste it. But what I want to, I guess, clarify here is that the, absolute mouthwatering acidity is so apparent with all of them. That spiciness on the finish is something that I'm getting across all of them. And then it's really about, I guess, do you, how much money do you have to spend? And if you have more money, you get slightly more weight, slightly more roundness, and slightly more complexity. But at the end of the day, for 9 even the first one shows the perfect characteristics of Fudermint. So you don't have to go to this last one. But for anybody who's interested, it's in England, £24.99 a bottle. And I looked at Wines or shelteredwines.com. So there's a few places. And that's a fantastic value for the especially this last one, the complexity. If we were to compare that to certain burgundy wines, you're going to get nothing for that price point. And this has finesse, it has elegance, it has brightness, mouth-watering acidity. What would you pair with these wines, or just for the mint in general, if somebody was going to grab a bottle?
1: I can have it as an aperitif, as a wine to start with. It's a wine, what you can have it with friends, just around the chat or, or, or things like that. But it fits very well the, the seafoods, for example. Fish, all sorts of salad. And this lighter type of starters, I believe it's it's, it's the best wine. The second and the third are wines with um, a higher richness, more complexity. And because of the volume as well, given by the barrel maturation, they will fit... Uh, more sophisticated foods made with different meats, chicken meat, pork meat, goose meat. So these type of of meats roasted or just cooked, I believe it will go very, very well actually so.
0: I always say to everyone, when you've got good acidity, it's going to cut through all the fat, the oil, the protein. and, And because of this minerality, this flintiness, the steeliness, the salinity, and the texture that you're putting in the more premium wines because of barrel aging... That's how they're going to go with the more smoked, toasted, roasted meats. I have to say, though, because of the great acidity and this spiciness that I'm getting, I would like to play around with a whole load of maybe like Japanese dishes or something with really fatty fish. And with all the lovely spices and the ginger yes. and things. I th- And I haven't done that, but I think, OK, good. I'm glad you're approved. <laughs> OK, so. To finish on the stills, we're throwing in a curveball here. So everyone is now completely educated on Mint, But the second most planted grape variety, which accounts for about 25% or so yes, of correct. the plantings, is... Is... That's the d- drum roller here. Oh, you're going to make me pronounce? out. Okay. Well, I would say levelu.
1: Harschlevelu. Uh,
0: ah! Okay. Good.
1: Melville's good. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Good. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: and I, <laughs> I really like this grape variety because actually, interestingly enough, this grape variety has been taken to random places in the world. And there is a producer in South Africa who does 100% of this grape variety. And it's gone from my mind. I want to say Lem... Oh, it's, I'll put in the show notes that wine if anybody wants to taste this 100% hush levelu. Sorry, I'm just going to do my terrible pronunciation. Just make sure you keep on saying it so everyone hears it correctly. Hush um, levelu, yes. Okay, hush levelu, hush levelu. But I really like this grape variety because I, I just think it again. It's got this kind of florally. I'm smelling yours already, and it always smells like linden blossom. So, what's the translation of hush levelu?
1: So harsh levelu it's a grape variety with a very long and loose bunch smaller berries the leaf of the grape variety it's round actually it's round as the linden tree leaves so this is from where it gets his name because harsh it means linden levelu leaf so linden leaf actually in translation it's a semi-aromatic, half-aromatic grape variety. Very often when it's vinified in stainless steel, you will get this um, linden uh, honey or elderflower, sometimes a bit of uh, sauvignon-like aromatic profile uh, as well. For us, this harsh level is a single vineyard and it's uh, 100% vinified in barrels. It's coming from Becek single vineyard. Beczak single vineyard, as it is shown on the label, it is a moon-shaped single vineyard. And over it, the breeze, which is coming from the great Hungarian plain, is ripening and drying the berries. So.
0: Oh, okay. So wait, pause for a second. You talked about these new labels. Yes. Every new wine, when it comes out now... There won't be any of the more plain traditional labels. Every single one will have that artist label that will represent yes. if it yes. is a single vineyard, yes. it will be drawn and it will have something to do with yes. it oh, I love it and this is this is a beautiful, beautiful label because yet yeah, the the moon is is blowing out these beautiful yeah. breezes <laughs> or whatever it's it's gorgeous. This is two thousand and nineteen, everyone, and I absolutely love this wine. I find it so unique. It's for me, I mean, it's floral, but it's herbal at the same time. I feel like I'm walking. In fact, it's autumnal. I feel like I am walking through a beautiful ancient woodland... (laughs) <laughs> In the autumn, when everything's starting to dry up, there's a it's rained recently, so there's a little bit of dampness, but there's still this there's like some flowers still holding on to give these aromatics. It's just that is what I get with this wine. Um, oh my god, and the texture though still has the silkiness. I really like the silkiness of this grape variety,
1: so it's totally different to the four the harsh level, harsh level. For me, it's very striking, very focused with a very big structure. Harsher value, it's always the silkiness, roundness, a uh, slightly aromatic side as well. So it's milder a bit in your mouth. So it's like, yeah.
0: I get like, obviously, so the nose has taken me to the forest. This season, it's perfect, but the palate is like there's a little hint of like honey but then also like something like chestnut which is great because that's taken me into the winter like it's not roasted <laughs> chestnuts but it's taking me there this slight woody outdoorsiness and then there's like some kind of yellow apple it's brilliant and it's just how many you hardly make any bottles of this right yeah 700 726 Yes. I'm drinking one of the 726 bottles produced. That's true. That makes me feel very I feel very <laughs> special. Everybody yes. get a bottle of this. where, right. right. This is $24.95 from Cellador Wines, if you are in the UK. But this is such a great wine if you want quality, but also you just want to try something so different because there's so little of it around, right? Yes. Oh, that's made me so happy. Now that is it for the stills of Tokai. But of course, it's impossible to have Zoltan in the hot seat and not talk sweet wines. So next week, we will be opening up their Late Harvest, a five Boutonius and a six Boutonius wine. And in perfect time just before Christmas, as this is the moment for tart creme brulees, beautiful cheese platters, and you need the perfect indulgent wine for that. So, to finish off with an appropriate quote, a quite notable one comes from Louis XV of France, who reportedly referred to Tokai as... The wine of kings and king of wines. So, if you didn't already know, now you know that what we have in store next week. So, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you all, as ever, for listening, learning, and sharing this podcast with your wine loving friends. Thank you to those of you who have left a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't, well, for my Christmas gift this year, uh, we've fab if you found a moment to leave one if of course you are getting value out of these podcasts so as the days continue to grow shorter and colder I hope you're all being warmed by all the festive delights and seasons magic so grab a cozy blanket pour yourself something nice and I'll meet you back here next Monday until then wine friends cheers to you